Thanks for joining us today for the Post Traumatic Faith Podcast, a place where trauma, hardship, and challenge meet faith and hope for the future. Here is your host, Jill Riley. Welcome to Post Traumatic Faith. Season three has arrived. I am so excited to share with you this season new guests, new topics, and some great conversations. So tune in every week on Fridays. We will have a new episode. Also this season, we will celebrate our 100th episode. So stay tuned for that. Just happens to fall on my birthday, October 28th. So we will have a big celebration. Thank you so much for joining us. And here's today's guest. Welcome to Post Traumatic Faith. This is Jill Riley, and today I'm joined by Christina Stanton from New York City and North Florida. How are you, Christina? I'm good. <laughs> so expl- explain this, explain this north-south thing you've got going on here. You know, I call us kind of COVID refugees. And I know it's as strange as that sounds. There's quite a few in my position, you know, uh, or in our position, my husband and I, uh, during COVID, his job went remote permanently, and he found out he could work from anywhere. I also lost my job as a um, as a result of COVID. And again, kind of realized, wow, we can kind of live anywhere. And at the same time, found out that um, in my hometown in North Florida, my mother wasn't doing all that well. And she was very worried and sad when COVID was happening and she had lost access mm-hmm. to seeing her friends. So we just thought, well, since we're so mobile, let's make us mobile. And we go back and forth from New York City to my childhood home in Tallahassee to see mom and and um, get some. Yeah. And also be in a place where, you know, we can breathe and, and uh, right. in Florida, you know, and and um, it's harder to avoid all of the um, variants that go through New York City because we all live on top of each other. So we're just kind of appealing to to both sides of of us. And again, because we're we're mobile, we we are mobile. We're we're kind of what, we kind of gypsies. What a privilege! That's great. Oh, it's That's a total great. Privilege. Yeah, oh, it's a total blessing, total privilege. And I I don't think for uh, I, I I I thank God every day for the blessing of being able to do such a thing. Yeah, that's great. And what a gift to your mother too. Yeah. <clears throat> so tell me a little bit about your family. You have you you and your husband. You have kids, pets. That's it. That's it. We just have my uh, just just my husband and I. We did get a little COVID puppy because we could. And yes. And, uh, you know, it's really funny. She goes back and forth with us. And she, I think she prefers New York City to Tallahassee. <laughs> she has a couple of acres to run around in Tallahassee, but she's like, I'll take the city streets any day. I think she That's really does funny. Work. She's a city yeah. dog. <laughs> she's a city girl. Yeah. Well, one of the remarkable parts of your story um, that I want to um, hit on is that you were, I, I would say got to, but I don't think that's the quite phrasing I want, but you were a front row witness to the events of 9-11. And um, did you say you lived six blocks away from the memorial? Yes, yes. And that really is where our story is is from, is from um, the fact that we lived in a very close proximity of where the attacks happened in New York City. So right. that gave us the story that, that we have. And I talk about in my book what it was like living next to the World Trade Center site before 
the attacks and during and in the aftermath. And, you know, yeah. I've, I've seen articles written from a, a neighbor perspective of, of, again, someone who lived in the, uh, the attack zone, but nothing, uh, not, not in a book form. And there's actually a lot to talk about. I mean, it really affected so many people, um, not just in the World Trade Center, the 16 acre World Trade Center complex. So right. it's not, it's not um, um, I had a worse experience than you. It was more of, I wanted to, to talk about uh, what it was like from, uh, from our perspective to help round out people's understanding. Of right. That. Right. So give me, give me a snapshot. What was before nine 11 happened? What was life in, in the city and the proximity to the world trade center and everything? What was it like? Well, for me, it was fantastic. I am a licensed New York City tour guide, and I take people on tours all over the city. And I've done that since 1995, which shows you I'm 52 years old. I've been doing it. That's more than half my life. And you know, one of my first tours that I got to be really, really uh, proficient at was um, doing tours of the 16 acre World Trade Center site, which I did for years before the attacks. I took thousands of tourists through the complex, up to the observatory, down into the mall, underneath. Uh, there was actually quite a few things to see in that complex. There was a lot of public art. There was a lot of really uh, notable buildings um, within the complex and right in the periphery of, of, of the complex. So that was one of the first tours that I got proficient at. And I I just loved it. And when I found out that we were going to move um, right next to the Walter Center complex, I was just thrilled because I felt like, wow, I'm going to be living in the backyard of where I, I work. And um, so it was... Um, so before uh, the World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan, where I live, is, is just a wonderful place. I remember mm-hmm. literally a week before the attacks, my husband and I were walking around the neighborhood and I heard this, this music and I was like, oh, where is this coming from? So my husband and I walked over to the World Trade Center complex and, you know, there was a, a massive uh, kind of like a, a courtyard um, called the um, uh, Tobin um, Plaza. And that is where they had kind of outdoor uh, events, music events, dancing events. And what they were having was a salsa class out cool. there in, in the, the Tobin Plaza. And it was really neat. I remember thinking, isn't this great? I mean, Brian, we're, we're living right next to where they have all of these free events and classes and, 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 and music concerts. We're going to be uh, neighbors to all of that. We could probably go over there every day and just enjoy a free outdoor concert. And so I was, I was just so excited about um, our lives there. And just so you know, we were newlyweds. We had mm-hmm. only lived there. Uh, we'd only been married for about uh, a year and a half. And we had only been living next to the complex for just a few months because that was kind of like our, our, our adult married apartment together. We had been living in a very small place in, in Times Square. And that was going to be our really a kind of like a, our, our launching uh, you know, pad to our, our married. Wow. Life. We were new to that area. Cool. So tell me, um, what, what was the sequencing of events for you and your husband on nine 11 itself? Well, I will go into uh, more of a snapshot because it, it, you know, it's, it's in the book and it's, and it's, <laughs> I could go on and on about it. So I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll make it, I'll make it, um, uh, as succinct as possible. Uh, we were, I was asleep. My husband was awake. The impact 
of the first plane hitting the North Tower actually shook our building. And um, my husband came and shook me awake, said something horrible has happened. We lived on the 24th floor and we had a 300 square foot terrace that actually faced the Twin Towers. So we rushed onto that terrace. We looked at the North Tower burning, smoke coming out of either side of the tower. Right in front of us, I could hear the screams of people uh, down below. I could see the um, the fire trucks and hear the police sirens mm. and watch people running madly everywhere. And it just felt like we were in a nightmare. When all of a sudden, over my right-hand shoulder, the second plane came. It went right above us, swooped in front of us. It t- t- uh, turned and went into the South Tower. And the mm. essentially, the impact of that plane hitting the South Tower, with us being so close, it actually, the shockwaves blew us back into our apartment, and it knocked me out. And I came to on the living room floor. And that started off a series of events for us. We grabbed our dog. We had a Boston Terrier. We grabbed that dog, ran down the 24 flights, went down to Battery Park, which is a nearby 25-acre park, And that's where we were when the Twin Towers came down, covering us with dust and debris. And there was so much smoke. We were afraid it was going to asphyxiate us. We watched people die. We watched people uh, chuck themselves into the New York Harbor to try to swim to Governor's Island, Staten Island. We said our goodbyes to each other. And we were just assuming that this was going to be the end of um, the end of us and, and, and everything. And, and did you have, did you have any awareness at that point that this was an intentional act of violence? Knew, we knew it when the second plane came in, it, it okay. was so, it was so intentional and it was so uh, deliberate and, and this sounds really kind of freaky. And I, I, but I really felt evil um, with that, with that attack, there was a real palpable sense of evil and evil doing. And there was mm-hmm. no, there was no question after that second plane hit. Like I understand we were 32 and 35. We've been married a year and a half. We'd only lived in that apartment for two months. And here we are in Battery Park saying goodbye to each other. And that was really, that was really tough. That was really upsetting. And so what was the what was the feeling of New Yorkers at that point? Did, was it was it outrage? Was it fear? Was it um, sorrow? Was it all of those things? So where we were, which was, again, um, in this park with a couple of thousand others who had evacuated there to find safety, realizing that we weren't safe at all. I mean, if the, the, if the buildings had fallen down in any lengthwise direction, it could have reached us in the park and killed us. So we all collectively thought that we were um, in a position of dying, in a position of being hit by the debris, of hit by people, of of being killed and 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 uh, by the smoke and and asphyxiated by the smoke. So for us, we were literally in survival mode, and we were all thinking we were going to die. Now, where where everybody else was in Manhattan, if they were watching in Times Square, if they were in their apartments on the Upper West Side or Upper East Side, I don't know what they were feeling, but where we were in particular. Everyone thought we were going to die. So it was absolute survival mode. Wow. And so how long was it until you were able to get your belongings or get back into your living space? So it was uh, two weeks. We were not able to go back into our home. We lived just too close to 
to the Twin Towers. And we got to understand they found body parts and plane parts right outside of our building. They found parts of a plane in the terrace next door to ours. So it was also just like, you know, what you see if you watch Law and Order, we were literally behind a yellow crime scene tape, like you see in, in movies or, 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 or TV series such as Law and Order. So there was also talk of looting. So because of all of those factors, we were not allowed to go into the zone where we lived. So, um, and then, and then finally, the, the reason why, um, why we were all banned more than any of those reasons is because when the Twin Towers came down, they registered on the Richter scale as an earthquake. So they had to, the government had to go and check over 600 buildings to make sure they were structurally sound and they were about to crumble because they had been shaken off their foundations. So our building was one of those 600 and it took a while for that. So we literally gypsy style uh, couch surfed, stayed with friends, stayed at a hotel, stayed with a stranger. And, you know, I'd never had that experience before. I'd never mm-hmm. been out of my home, semi homeless, whatever. Totally displaced. Displaced. I'd never had that experience. I found that very hard to deal with, very dehumanizing, very discombobulating. And I was very shocked at how hard I took that. Yeah. You mentioned um, in our previous chat that there was like over 500,000 people that were evacuated from Manhattan by boat. Yes. And we were two of them. So was that Coast Guard? Yeah. Well, that was an interesting, interesting story that the U.S. Coast Guard knew that all of us in Battery Park were in danger, mortal danger. And they knew that we were trapped. There was no place to go. We were surrounded by water because you are surrounded by water by three sides down there. So they issued a CB radio call and said, hey, if anybody owns a boat as a boat operator, take your boat and go to Battery Park, pick people up. Don't care where you drop them off, but they're in danger and they need to be evacuated from from the end of the island, which we did. So I we just saw people queuing up on the coastline. We we didn't know exactly what was going on, but we queued up um, along with them and realized from that from that vantage point, looking down the Hudson, and you can see the New York Harbor, we could see tugboats and party boats and New York waterway ferries and commuter ferries and I mean it, um, any kind of. Uh, We even saw canoes and I'm not kidding you, but literally um, the Coast Guard did not know who was going to respond. Turns out hundreds of boats responded. I actually think it was 150 boats, but it was um, hundreds of of workers on the boats. And these boats went back and crossed the waters all day, taking groups all day. And it's the largest boat evacuation in history. Oh, that just gives me chills to just think of the human spirit coming together on behalf of of others. That's just, that's just remarkable. Wonderful story. So talk to me a little bit about the emotional aftermath of 9-11. How did that affect, affect you emotionally? That was really tough. We both quickly started experiencing a form of PTSD. I'd never heard of PTSD. I'd certainly never been in any kind of arena where I'd get that upset or I'd, I'd never experienced some kind of an emergency situation. And how I was manifesting it is I couldn't sleep. I was, I already have a lot of energy. So literally I couldn't sit down. I was completely manic bouncing off the walls. Uh, I would walk maniacally all around Manhattan. Literally, I just couldn't turn myself off. My husband was the total opposite. He was always asleep. He was almost never awake. He just, Mm. just slept the day away. So we were kind of locked in our own kind of hell. We both couldn't work. 
we both were having a hard, I was even having a hard time communicating with others because people, people would ask questions that I thought were stupid. People would be, would ask questions like, um, you know, uh, uh, even hearing something like, uh, why are you so upset? At least you're alive, which I heard a lot of when I would tell people how upset really? Yeah. Yeah. I heard a lot of that, but there, it's almost like, but even if there were some inappropriate responses to me, you couldn't be appropriate enough. I was just so upset. I just felt, felt very isolated and didn't want to talk to people. It's almost like people couldn't say the right thing. There was nothing right to say. And so it was, it was tough. We did end up getting some Christian counseling. I went on some medication for, for a long while and we just, uh, we also uh, left New York City for, I think it was uh, three or four months, was it? But we left New York City. We needed to physically get away so we could start to heal. Once we were, if we were in the city, we were having a hard time healing. It was just too close. We Everything's able- so present. Yeah, yeah. We just needed to get away, collect ourselves, come back, get some counseling. I, I, I got some medication. And uh, I don't think, though, we were... We were ourselves for several years after that. Yeah. How do you think um, in the long term, um, you're talking about, you know, immediacy of effects, but in the long term, what do you think um, lingers as an effect of that experience? There are a lot of long terms. In fact, yeah. All of my roads in my life, my present life, all lead back to 9-11. It's almost like I became an adult. So, so it's almost like I was a child. I was still in college. I was still new to New York, wanting to be an actress because I did move to New York City to be an actress. It's almost like I was still in that kind of gap year, uh, everything's new. I'm a kid mentality right out of college. And all of a sudden I became an adult, but, but all of my present roads, whatever I'm doing now presently all lead back to nine 11. So I guess uh, one of the bigger lingering uh, is the fact that real, the realization that life is short and Mm -hmm. there is evil in this world. There is help in the, in the, in in my, in the Christian community that, that we found Mm -hmm. help in the aftermath that, um, that uh, there's, yes, there is great evil. I'd never experienced that, that level of, of, of evil. I, I was not uh, versed in it and mm-hmm. I read about it. I would see true life crime things and on the TV, but experiencing firsthand. So I, I, there's a lot of lessons and a lot of aftermath that I still think uh, is, is, is uh, very important in my life uh, today. But I, I'd like to think that I used all that to create um, a life that has a real foundation you know, yeah. in, 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 in my faith and uh, just knowing that life is short and life is ugly and there's going to be suffering and that there's only, there's only one way out really. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, are you able to watch any of the footage of any of that? Or is that just too over too much? <laughs> well, I, I laugh at that because that's been, it's always been a big thing for me. Um, I, I, I feel like the part of, of my annual, uh, of uh, the, of the anniversary is part of my ritual of remembering it is to watch things on things on TV. And I do get very depressed and I do get upset and I still cry. I usually cry when I talk about it, even all these years later. And as much as I talk about it, cause I do talk about our firsthand account, our, our experience a lot, and I still cry, but there's part of me that, that, that does feel led to keep watching because there's, there's still part of me trying to work it out, trying to understand, mm-hmm. it, trying to wrap my brain around. 
It's almost like information is key. I still feel that way, but I also feel it's, it's part of the remembrance. It's part of the memory. And um, so it's, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's cut, cuts both ways in a way that I get upset, but I also feel that um, it's, it's part of the experience and I want to honor it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, the name of the book is out of the shadow of nine 11 and available wherever you can find, find books, but I want to transition right now to kind of the, another major event of your life. Um, you ended up catching a very severe case of early COVID, right? Dead. dead. Yeah. Which was related to nine 11, I believe, by the way. How so? That's again, why I say all my roads lead to 9-11. Well, you might've heard that in the aftermath, when the the, the Twin Towers came down, the the buildings pulverized into a deadly toxic stew, so to speak, that people inhaled. And did you know that we've passed the mark where more people have died because of the cancers that that deadly toxins caused in people's bodies lately, even years later than the 3000 who died on that day. So many more than 3000 have died. Wow. Subsequent. I didn't know that. Yes. So we were very aware of that right from the get go, even when we were hearing the EPA say, oh, things are fine. We no one had to tell us who lived down there. Things were not fine. And and so, yes, our all of our health has been compromised. Remember something called the World Trade Center Health Registry that monitors our health. And that's a club that you didn't really want to be in, but uh, you need to be in so you can kind of maintain access to the Twin Towers fund. If your health gets really bad and you don't have insurance and you need that coverage, thank goodness my husband has good, good health coverage, but it has, uh, it's been, there's been lingering health issues that it's left my husband and I with, and we're, we're one of thousands, right? So I don't want to mm-hmm. play this victim. We're one of thousands that that's happened to. So when COVID came out, the World Trade Center uh, Health Registry contacted all of us in the system and said, hey, you need to make sure that you're being very careful. This might be a very deadly virus, especially since your, your system has been compromised. And actually what we found that we wanted to flee the city. We knew that living in New York City, things spread very easily because we're on top of each other. So we fled to Florida in, uh, I think it was March 17th. We didn't flee quick enough. Uh, we got mm. it. And so we either got it right before we left because we felt fine as we left. Um, we, uh, or we got it on the plane ride going down to Florida, but whatever the, the second we, we landed in Florida, we, we were sick. And so for me, um, I was especially sick. I was hospitalized twice. I was told that I had a 50% chance of, 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 of living and dying from this. And my husband and I worked on our wills. We said, uh, goodbyes. I think I spent three hours one day asking everybody to pray for me. I knew it was going to be the fight of my life. And it was, it was, I barely did survive it. But um, uh, again, they're all, they're all um, uh, related to me. Was it um, that your lungs were compromised or was it your whole immune system or what was the, what was the compromise there? That's a good question. Um, In my case, I didn't really have lung and breathing issues. I had digestion issues, which is something I have sustained uh, since 9-11. It's interesting. A lot of people, when they think about what the, the illnesses that the deadly toxins ca- cause, they do think it's lung related, but that's not necessarily the case. Actually, do you know what is the, probably one of the, one of the biggest cancers that 9-11 caused is skin cancers. And, and that's a little counterintuitive than what you'd think, right? Interesting. Anyway, I know, right, right. There's all these studies if you're ever interested. And I, I'm 
uh, quite versed in it again, because I'm part of the club that, that I didn't want to be in. So, but, um, in my case, it's it, my digestion has always has always been hurt. I have um, um, heart disease and some other things. So it was really uh, it was really digestion. I I couldn't stand. I I um, kept um, um, I kept fainting um, and I kept getting dehydrated. I uh, couldn't keep anything down. But it was just it, it, my understanding is that virus exacerbated any place that you were weak, and and a lot of us are weak in in many ways. Um, especially those who came through 9-11. So, you know, in the aftermath, I did live, um, again, I, I credit, you know, God, you know, I, I, yeah. I prayed, I had literally probably over 4,000 people all around the world praying for me. And I was very, I was very intent on, on, on getting on prayer list. I wanted prayer because prayer was all I had. As right. it turns out, you know, when, when, when prayer becomes all you have, it turns out it's all you need. Right. And I just, I needed that support. The help from the Christian community was amazing. And I, I did suffer long haul syndrome, you know, in, in the aftermath and still do, but I just really felt like God, you know, whatever time you have left, you know, I, um, is, is all dedicated to you. And I still, I've, I've felt like that way since nine 11, that's also been a running theme in my life. And that still is. Yeah. Well, what, how <laughs> I'm having trouble with my words all of a sudden, how does um, the way the Christian community surrounded you, how has that affected how you look at the impact of community that we can have as a worldwide church? Well, you know, especially in America, we're all just so independent. We think, oh, I've got this. I don't need any, any help. We should never get um, ourselves to we where we have that independence, rely on that independence, because that's not biblical. It says right. all the Bible that we're meant to be in community with each other. We're meant to iron sharpens iron. We're meant to help each other. We're meant to be accountability partners. So you know what? It played out perfectly for me. When I had COVID, there weren't, uh, there, were, there was a lot of delivery issues, right? Because a lot of delivery people had quit. So no, I couldn't get food. We couldn't get medication. We had to rely on people going to get those things for us. We relied on churches who would come and bring food for us. Nobody could uh, do any, uh, cook or, or or anything like that. They would they would leave it on the lawn and and uh, we would go and and go pick it up. And um, I was I was given a massive amount of somebody brought over a huge amount of Gatorade. Some, some sweet person brought over protein shakes and vitamin C and zinc and all these things. But it was it was it was needed materials. But it was also the gesture of. We're here for you. And, and right. again, just the fact that I got so many notes and texts and um, I did start a caring bridge and I got the most wonderful people would, would send me um, all kind of uh, Bible verses. And, and it really, it just, it, it just uh, drove home again, that we are meant to be in community with each other. We right. we're meant to rely on each other. We're meant to, to, to help each other through life. The Bible says there will be suffering. Right. Well, you know, that's what he created our, our brother and sisterhood uh, ship for, you know, I mean, uh, and that's, I have a a ton of brothers and sisters all over the world who, who wanted, who were blessed to be a blessing by praying for me. And I do this, this, the favor back, I pray for others as well. And it is a blessing to, uh, to, to, to bless others with, with, with prayers and with help. It is. And you know, when you're in a position of being um, in need and you see others' compassion and action, it spurs that and regenerates that in yourself, doesn't it? Well, the Bible says, go and do likewise. You know, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, it's, 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 um, 
it is an act of faith and we're to be active in doing that. Um, and so I, listen, I have some, uh, f- some friends who are, are very private and they're very shy and they've had their own COVID battles. In fact, I have a lot of friends right now who are fighting a COVID battle and I know that they're not telling people that's their choice. I understand it. I also know that I'm an extrovert, but I hope it's not because they, they don't want to burden people because right. that. That's not what this is. That's not what the Bible says. I mean, the Bible right. says we're, we are we are just all interconnected with each other, and and it, it deprives people the chance of praying for you and helping you through. And we're blessed when we give, and we're blessed when we receive, and and really to be the hands and feet of Jesus to somebody in need is such an honor and a privilege because we've been given such grace to extend that to others is, is our call. Is it not? It's our purpose. Really is really is. And so I I really loved how people came out of the woodwork to help me again, mainly in the Christian community. But I also felt very grateful during that time too. I couldn't believe I was still alive to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. I was actually shocked. I was still alive. And, um, I, I just really, every time, uh, there was, there was one step forward. I was praising God every time somebody remembered me. It was just another way to experience gratitude. It wasn't, that was another thing that, that I felt like got me through is it's just being so grateful. I, when my pulse oximeter got down to my low eighties and every time it went up and up, I was just like, thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and that's another thing, you know, like the, I, there, I found places to praise God because there are always places to praise God. Absolutely. Always. And so I really drew upon that too. Another thing that really helped me to tell you the truth was the fact that I couldn't watch TV or go on social media and I couldn't talk on the phone as well. You know, I had no lung capacity. I mean, I was totally winded, so I couldn't talk on the phone. I would turn on the TV and all of the channels were featuring uh, these, these, the horrible stories of COVID that would just bring me down. I, I noticed that when I watched TV, my pulse oximeter would go down in dangerous levels. I'd feel sicker and sicker or about social media. I, I, I'd look at Facebook and there were people were sharing and resharing terrible stories about COVID. I'd read them and I would feel worse. And to tell you the truth during that time, kind of every moment made a difference. Mm-hmm. So just saying I felt bad for about 10 minutes after a, a reading a very sad story about, about COVID deaths that actually made a difference. I mean, that could, it was a life and death struggle and that, that uh, it always kind of brought me down. So, you know, having all the noise out of my life was just the time for me and the Holy spirit. You know, to tell you the truth, I know that people really, really, were upset about being quarantined in the hospital or in a nursing home. I totally understand that. On my end, I was not. I was actually very happy to be alone. Happy I wasn't infecting family members and friends. Mm-hmm. Happy that that I just I had me in the Holy Spirit because I was trying to concentrate on th- this is all about this is between me and God. This is me and God. There's nobody right. else here. There's 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 nothing that can help me. There's the Tylenol. That's it. You know, so Tylenol, me and God, that's, that's, that's what I had. And I was just glad that I, I, I had that precious time. Yeah. What amazing perspective when we go through, when we go through hard times, it really um, narrows down and refines what's important to us and what, what we see as uplifting. Um, uh, The book is called faith in the fire of COVID-19 and um, 
I think that um, these books just outlining your experience and showing the power of community and the power of Christ in your life is um, such a gift to people. And I just really encourage people to look for them. Where can they find out more about you or find your books? So I am, I have a website, uh, Christina Ray Stanton.com. So C H R I C H R I S T I N A R A Y S T A N T O M. And I have these books, but I also write a lot of articles. And so you can find out about my books and my articles on my website. I also have a Facebook page called Christina Ray Stanton author. And, you know, I write a lot of articles and I'm doing a series now. And I think you'd, you'd be interested in this of inspiring people. So mm. I'm writing about what I'm calling a modern day Christians. There are so many wonderful people who are following Jesus, who are being led by the Holy Spirit to use their gifts and talents, what's uniquely theirs, what they've uniquely been given and, and using it for the glory of Christ. And I love, I know I've met so many wonderful people in my life who are doing fabulous things. And I get really tired like you and like a lot of people about hearing the bad and divisive stories of, of Christians and Christianity that, you know, I, you know, I almost feel like everybody's the back at the ranch. There are are wonderful Christians who are doing wonderful thing in Jesus's name. And they're not, they're rising above all of the, 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 the spats and the 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 chatter and yeah, just doing what the Holy spirit is telling them to do. And and which is leading them to help other people. And I find those people inspiring and I've been writing a series of inspiring people. And um, that's great. Well, I will look forward to looking, looking at that. I, I love good writing and um, I will, I will link up on Facebook. Listen, we will put all of your um, contact information in our show notes and let people know how they can get a hold of you. And I just thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for your investment in the Christian community. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can find Jill at JillRiley.com, on Facebook at JillRiley.author, Twitter at JillRileyAuthor, and Instagram at JillRiley.author. Also, feel free to send Jill an email at Jill at JillRiley.org. Thanks for listening in and have a great day.